KFI AM 640. You are listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk worldwide about female genital mutilation. We just gasp when we think of the millions of babies and little girls around the world who have their clitoris and often parts of their labia brutally cut off, sometimes uh, parts of their vagina sewn together to prevent uh, male, you know, gaining access. They have sexual dysfunction problems because of it. They may have bladder and urinary problems because of it. We are all aghast. In fact, there's a movement around the world to stop this barbaric cultural for no medical reason, mutilation of baby girls' bodies. And on the same day that we say that and carry signs, I mean, tweet about it, we take our own babies to the hospital. And when they're male or when they're born in the hospital, have their genitals mutilated. And somehow it's okay. My next guest is the founder and director of an organization called InAction, inaction.org. He founded the organization because he wanted to give children a voice over the autonomy of their own bodies. And he wanted to raise awareness of like just having an intact body and how important that is. He did something very brave. He went back decades something that happened decades earlier. And he tracked down the obstetrician who circumcised him decades earlier. You know, he remembered my family. He remembered my parents quite distinctly. Uh, He remembered me and my brother. And uh, I asked him, I asked him uh, what it was like to tie me down and cut off part of my body. I asked him how it made him feel. And he didn't have any response. I asked him, uh, was I screaming when, when he did it? Did I scream? And he didn't have any response. And I asked him, Uh, did he have my consent to do it? Mm. Welcome, my guest, Anthony Losquadro, founder and director of inaction.org. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Dr. Walsh. Thanks for having me on the air. Wow, that was a powerful bit of audio there. Uh, Why did you do it? Why did you go back and find that obstetrician who circumcised you? Yeah. First, I want to say our, our organization is called intaction.org, okay. I-N-T-A-C-T-I-O-N. Thank you. And, and that video was taken uh, when I was at a conference in Finland on genital autonomy. And uh, I, I felt it was important. This was a while ago that I that I contacted this obstetrician. I don't know that he's still around anymore. As a matter of fact, I kind of doubt it. But uh, I felt it was important to me to speak to him. I, I needed to to hear the voice of the person that tied me down and cut off part of my genitals. And I, and I wanted some answers. And, you know, you read about this issue. I'm sure your listeners have read about this issue in 
the news or uh, online, and everyone's great at debating this. But when I asked this doctor what was the reason why he did this, he told me he didn't have an answer. He had no answers. And the more I researched circumcision and whether you want to call it circumcision or you want to call it genital cutting or genital mutilation, it's all the same thing. When it gets down to it, there is no reason for doing it. That's what I found. And that's why one of the reasons I found it in Taction was to try to make other people aware of, of these issues and, and share some of the things that I've learned. Let's set up the problem. How many boys, newborn boys, are currently being circumcised in America? And has that number been going down at all? The number's been going down, fortunately, slowly. Uh, the rate is probably around 55%. The last data we have from the CDC was around 2012, so it's very dated. Compared uh, to, say, the 1970s, when it was almost 100%, I'm sure, right? Yeah, it was up in the 80s, you know, up in the high 80s, yeah. maybe even 90% back then. So it's been, it's been dropping down. That's fortunate. Um, but you have to realize that still means about a million baby boys every year in America. And this only really, this is an American phenomenon. So I want your listeners to understand this. This is really outside of people of Jewish faith and Muslim faith around the world. This is a unique American phenomenon. You know, even uh, in Canada, the Canadian Pediatric Association has been educating parents for the last couple decades. The rates are down around 30% in Canada because of that. Yeah, not only that, the Canadian Pediatric Society issued a do not recommend circumcision policy statement about two years ago. So they're, they're, they're instructing their doctors not to recommend it anymore. Mm -hmm. okay? so, Unlike opposed, the American Pediatric Association, which in 2012 put out a paper recommending it well uh it, it was more positive circumcision than negative but uh they didn't really recommend it but they said that parents should maintain a choice but more importantly they said that uh insurance companies should continue to pay for it you have to understand first of all the aap is a lobbying trade association it's not really it's, it's more of that. It's more about protecting doctors' insurance reimbursements than it is for advocating for children's health. And uh, they, they were more concerned about insurance payments than, than anything else. Amazing that insurance will pay to have male genitals cut, and they won't pay for menopausal women to have vaginal rejuvenation. <laughs> well, you know. Amazing. Uh, uh, so you know, they, they started becoming nervous, I think, because uh, over 16 states have dropped coverage under Medicaid for circumcision, for infant circumcision. So I think they maybe felt that their uh, reimbursements were under threat. So they issued a new policy statement, which they flip-flopped. They flip-flopped about six times over the last uh, several decades. They said recommend it, then they said don't recommend it, and they said recommend it, and then they said don't recommend it, and I said insurance, make sure insurance pays for it. So th that credibility is really uh, a used car salesman has more credibility than they do. I want to talk about two things separately. One is the physical dangers of male circumcision, and the other are the mental health dangers. Let's start with just the physical. Is it dangerous? Can it be? There are significant risks to circumcision. Uh, first of all, you know, the actual procedure is not really taught in medical school. It's, it's on-the-job training. What doctors like to say is see one, do one, teach one. That's their motto, okay? So your son's not being 
circumcise if someone was to choose that by uh, you know a person that's been highly trained in doing it. It was it's probably a resident or, or a physician's assistant. Physician's assistant. Uh, they line up all the babies in a little bit of an assembly line, tying down to to these circumstraint contraptions. So they're spread eagle, and they put this clamp on their penis, which crushes the foreskin. And it's about a 15-minute procedure where the child is usually screaming in agony. And I uh, want to point out that little to no anesthesia is given because babies really can't tolerate the anesthesia that an adult would have. And there are the risks of infection or a botched circumcision where they may have, you know, damage to their penis. There's very significant risks and things do go wrong. A recent study out of Utah found an 11.5% serious complication rate. Another study out of uh, Denmark found that uh, around 26% of babies that are circumcised usually have a uh, complication later on called stenosis, which is a narrowing of the urethra or the tube that you urinate from, and it requires further surgeries down the road to correct that. So, uh, And then there are more serious complications. I've assisted in some legal cases. There's a case in New York where the same doctor severely botched two babies in a row, uh, using a device known as a Mojin clamp. Uh, companies been out of, put, put out of business for malpractice claims, but this device continues to be used by hospitals. And uh, what happens if it's done improperly and is very common is the tip of the penis gets cut off. Happened to babies in New York. It happened to a lady down in Georgia named Stacy Willis. I was also assisted with that case. Mother received a $33 million judgment because the uh, not, not only the doctors botched her son, they uh, wrapped him up, told him, take him home, he's fine. And she got home, the baby wouldn't stop bleeding. Oh. She had to take him to the emergency room, and they tried to cover it up and sweep it under the rug. Oh, my goodness. Also, we have, we ha- I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we have to go to a break. Anthony, can you stay with us for another segment? Absolutely. I'm talking to Anthony Lasquala, the founder and director of Intaction.org. We are talking male circumcision. You're listening to The Dr. Wendy Wall Show on KFI AM 640. Rocio Rivera has the news for us. A brush fire is burning near the 134 freeway near the border of No KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. I am with my guest, Anthony Lasquadro, founder of and director of Intaction. Keeping it intact, get it? Intaction.org. Uh, an organization that gives children a voice over their body autonomy and raise awareness of the importance of keeping an intact body and the dangers of male circumcision. Anthony, let's talk about the mental health dangers of circumcising your male child. Well, you know, there's, there's two stages of this. There's the pain and trauma that affects the infant, because, like I said earlier, there's little to no anesthesia given to babies. Uh, so this, the, this, the pain, you know, the foreskin is basically crushed. They have to crush it in order to prevent it from bleeding. So this is a 15-minute procedure. The babies often scream throughout it. Uh, some babies vomit. Uh, some babies exhibit seizure-like effects or symptoms, so much to the point that I had a neurodiagnostic technician from Cedars-Sinai tell me once that, Babies are often sent to her after circumcision because the doctors are worried that the baby's having a seizure. And they do a brain uh, study on the baby, and they find no structural uh, abnormalities, but it was the pain from the circumcision was actually causing these, these symptoms, which is like eyes rolling back in the head, difficulty breathing. So, because of spikes in cortisol and 
and other neurotransmitters. But let me also say that there is, as a psychologist, I can tell you that people love to dismiss things that children don't have a primary memory of, right? And so they'll say, oh, they won't remember it. They won't remember. The truth is trauma that happens when you are pre-verbal actually gets stored in your bones as feeling that you can't make sense of because you can't like talk it out in therapy because you don't remember it. You just know that something bad happened. That, that's such a common uh, thing we hear from people, a misperception. They say, well, the babies can't remember it. And just because a child or a baby can't remember something, that doesn't mean that they're not affected by it. This affects their, their hippocampus and their brain, which is the area that's uh, responsible for long-term memory. And uh, these fear, fear becomes imprinted in their brain almost. Mm, mm. And now there's this movement this movement of men who were circumcised when they were babies um, to start to speak out with feelings of anger and sadness. Talk about this movement. Well, you know, uh, uh, guys later on in life, when, when they look into this and they find out what was done to them, you know, like you may grow up wondering, uh, they may grow up wondering why they have a scar on their penis and, you know, I don't have a scar anywhere else on my body. Where did this come from? And there's a sense of betrayal sometimes from their parents that, you know, how could my mother or my father let this happen to me? This is, you know, the natural body that they were endowed with by nature. And somebody, someone went in, a parent took it upon themselves to have their child, child's genitals cut because the parent, Jason, because the parent wanted to do it. It's not like the child said, I wanted this, or an adult said, I want this. The parents wanted this for their son, even though they never were able to ask their son for consent. And, you know, it's, it's interesting in this era, I just want to bring this up, in this era of Me Too and toxic masculinity. And how do we expect young men or men in general to respect a woman's body and a woman's autonomy and a woman's space when their own body and their own autonomy and their own space wasn't respected at all when they were, when they were born into this world? Exactly. You know, I'm sure you're quite familiar with a kind of parallel movement that people who are born nowadays with ambiguous genitalia, whereas, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, doctors and parents made a decision looking at ambiguous external genitalia and just cut and snipped and parents kind of chose a gender. And then they didn't know that there might have been undescended testes or ovaries that were there and then they chose a, a gender and then when puberty happened everything changed and there was a lot of identity crisis um, uh, gender dysmorphia among these individuals and so in the same way let's look at uh, babies who are born anatomically I'm making quotation marks with my fingers correct or normal and then why do we mutilate them is there some uh, you know, sort of strength and power you're feeling because of this additional movement of people with ambiguous genitalia? The intersex movement is part of our overall movement. And, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes a baby's born with ambiguous genitalia and, and the parents or the doctors pick a gender and usually the results are disastrous. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because when that individual grows up, if, if the parents decided they're going to make them a male and the person really wants to be a female, it's, it's, it's just... It's the, the, the 
the conventional wisdom these days is to leave the child alone. When they mature, they can pick for themselves who, right. they, want, who they want to be. Or they can just be a person. Amazing. Um, you know, I, I want to close by saying, you know, it's, it's, you know, in some ways, it's helpful for parents to understand the dangers of circumcision. But I like to point out the positives of the uncircumcised penis. Uh, can you tell a few or should I? <laughs> you, were, you were reading my mind. I'm so glad you brought this up because there are some great things to talk about. You know, the foreskin is an amazing body part. It's what, it's what we, it's, we call it. We say that it has the four powers, the four powers of foreskin. That is, it provides pleasure. It provides protection. It provides lubrication and it provides connection. Nature put this on our body for a reason. And incidentally, women also have a foreskin in the form of the clitoral hood. So nature put this on our bodies for a reason. It's, it's in our DNA. We were meant to have it. It serves an important function. And 22 medical associations around the world specifically do not recommend circumcision. Uh, most of the world is intact. Like I said earlier, this is a, a unique American phenomenon that started about 100 years ago and it turned into a big business. And ladies and gentlemen, listening parents out there, the uncircumcised penis has been shown to have more nerve endings and experience more pleasure during sex. So Absolutely. There's 20,000 nerve endings in the foreskin, and we like to call it the intact penis. It's okay. the intact penis. The intact penis. Thank you so much for being with us. Anthony Lasqualo, you can find him at intaction.org. That's I-N-T-A-C-T-I-O-N.org. Thank you so much for being with us. Dr. Wendy, thank you so much for having me on your show. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon.